Jesus, we thank you so much for this wonderful, incredible morning. God, you are setting our hearts on fire for you, God, and we just want to know you more. We just want to get deeper, and we want to live for you better. And I pray that you bless your word. Open, God, our eyes, Lord, to the truths in front of us, God. Help us to understand what you're saying today and what all this prophecy means for us today, God. And let us, with all of this, look forward to your soon coming, Jesus, for we love you and we want to be with you. So, God, bless your word this morning. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Say it really loud so everybody could hear online. Amen. Right on. I read about two boys who began to talk story after church one day. And and one of the boys made, made this comment. said, there's no such thing as Satan. Well, the other boy got a little upset and said, what do you mean there's no such thing as Satan? It talks about him all the way through the Bible. Well, the first boy replied, no, he's not real. You know, it's like Santa Claus. Satan turns out to be your dad. Okay, sometimes dads, we do some wrong things, but you know, inside our hearts, we really mean well. I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm Satan, okay, but I really mean well. But there is coming a man who does not mean well. For during the tribulation years, this man will actually speak for Satan. He'll be an ambassador for the Antichrist. And basically, he's going to be this spiritual emissary for evil. And that's what we're going to be seeing today in Revelation 13 in our study here. Now, uh, we're going to look into, and this is our title, The Evil Ministry of the False Prophet. And I'm sorry, those of you online and those of you here, um, there was something going on with the, the notes, so um, I put it all in and it disappeared as one of those things. So who knows, we'll blame it on the, on, on the enemy. But uh, there's no notes for on the screen, but that's okay. <clears throat> you, can, you can focus in here. So the title of our message t- today is The Evil Ministry of the False Prophet. The evil ministry of the false prophet. And you can see we're going to be talking about the false prophet. Now, this is going to be part one. Again, as we've been going, I've been trying to put everything together, but there's just so much here that's flooding my heart that I'm going to do this in two parts. So this morning we're going to be studying Revelation chapter 13 from verse 11 through verse 14a, just the first part of verse 14. So once again, evil ministry of the false prophet, part one, and it's Revelation 13 from verse 11 through 14a, the first part. Now, next time we're going to finish off into verse 18, the rest of this chapter here in chapter 13. That'll be part two for next week. But our overall outline is this, and let me give this to you. There's actually six headings here. You're like... Well, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor Rick. You always do three. I can only count to three, and that's why I only do three. But I practice, and I can count to six. No, just joking. (laughs) Number one is this, the man. Number two is the mission. 
And number three is the miracles. I'll give that to you again. That's what really we're, what we're going to see today. But next week for part two, we're going to see about this false prophet. Number four, the method. Number five, the mandate. And number six, what we're all interested in, the mark. The mark. And we'll get to that next time. Maybe you're going, oh, I thought it was going to be this week. Sorry, you got to wait. Maybe I'll even delay it longer. No, just joking. So anyway, um, today our outline is this. The man, the mission, and the miracle. So those are the three things we're going to see about the false prophet. So number one in our outline today is the man. The man. Now with this, we're going to be focusing in on verse 11. Verse 11. So if you're taking notes, in this first section of the man, it's verse 11. Take a look with me here. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. So we'll stop there. We begin with what John the Apostle saw next. Remember, God is giving John this prophetic vision, these words for us to read today and for the world, and even in the ancient times and when he lived, to know what is going to happen in the future. So here's the next thing that he sees, and he begins in verse 11 saying, Then, so here's the next thing, Then God showed them he saw another beast. Now, what is this? What's this beast here? Another beast, right? Well, let me give you this. First of all, this is not the first beast. And how can you tell? Because it's another beast, right? The first beast we saw was in verse 1. You collect verse 1, John saw a beast rising out of the sea, right? So this is the first beast. And as we've been studying all this time in the last two weeks, it is the Antichrist. So the first beast is the Antichrist. And our last two messages were titled, Who is this Antichrist? So this is not the first beast beast, all right? It's pretty clear. It's another beast. Well, this is a second beast, basically. And in Revelation, we we basically have two beasts. We have the first beast, the second beast, the Antichrist, and here this is the false prophet. Now, if you remember back in verse 1, we saw the beast. That word in the Greek, uh, back in verse 1, it means a venomous, dangerous, wild animal. And that's what the Antichrist is, right? I mean, we're, um, that's what's, who's coming as we saw and studied in the last two weeks. He, he, he's going to be harmful to the world. He's going to be crazy and wild. And he, he's dangerous to the souls of people. So this second beast now, this another beast, is like the Antichrist, especially in his role during the tribulation. So just keep that in mind as we see another beast. Now, take note here too, how John the Apostle, when he writes this in original language, he actually uses the Greek word alos. That's the word alos for another. That's the Greek word for another. Now, that means another of the same kind. That's the idea. There's another Greek word, uh, heteros, which you could pro- we use in, even in our English language or for certain words. It means another of a different kind. So it, it's kind of like if, say, for example, uh, you tell your friend, I bought another car. Well, if your first car was a Toyota, and the second car was a Honda, you'd say, I bought a heteros 
car. Another car, but a different kind, right? But say your first car is a Toyota and you bought another Toyota because it's Japanese made. No, just joking. That, well, I guess Hondas are too. But anyway, um, <laughs> right? You would say, Alos. Yeah, you say Alos. I bought an Alos car just like the first one. So that's the idea. The, the beast basically is just as evil, of, of, um, just as evil as the Antichrist is. So when we're first presented and God presenting here in verse 11, this other beast, just know he's just as evil as the Antichrist in what we saw in these last few weeks. Now notice here again in verse 11, it says, then I saw another beast. It says rising out of the earth. Now, now what does that mean? He's rising out of the earth. The earth is, another word would be land. He's coming out of the land. What does it mean? Well, let me tell you. Not everyone knows. <laughs> Not everyone is sure about what this exactly means. And I'll give you some um, perspectives on in what uh, commentators and pastors will speculate on. First thing, as some say, it refers to the land of Israel. That this man, this false prophet, could be a Jew himself. Now, for me, I don't. I'm not too sure of that. Um, only because this is me. Um, uh, most of the world hates, you know, Israel, hates Jewish people, anti-Semitism. So I'm not too sure about that. But some believe that that it means the land, the earth, right there, uh, uh, with John uh, speaking. So this, a second view. Some say this refers to the uh, to this man who is possessed now by a demon who rises up from the bottomless pit. Now, we saw a similar thing in, in chapter 11 about the Antichrist. That uh, it, So it could be that, and we know, and we talked about the Antichrist is possessed by a demon from the hell, from the bottomless pit, the abyss that we saw in chapter 11. So I, I lean that way. But let me give you something that Donald Gray Barnhouse said in his commentary. And I feel like this really ties in even to that uh, second view. But I, I, I sort of focus in on this. And so Barnhouse said this. He, he referred to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47, where it talks about Jesus as the second man. Yeah, he came in the flesh to come and bring salvation. But also in, in that verse, how Jesus is the second man who's from heaven, it speaks about Adam, who is the first man from, you know where, the earth. So I, I really like that thought. So what I see is God is emphasizing that this beast is from the earth. In other words, he's a man. He's a human being. And perhaps if we attach it with, um, like the Antichrist, perhaps he is possessed He's a possessed human being. So just as we learn even in our, our last section with the Antichrist, that he's a real guy, he's a real man. I believe that's what God is showing us with this beast, symbolic to how harmful, evil he's going to be, like the Antichrist, rising out of the earth, symbolic that too, that he is an actual man. He's not just some floaty spirit kind of, you know, apparition or something like that. So that's the way else I see it. You can study it, uh, study this and see what you come up with. But, but that's me. So who is the second beast? Well, this is the one called the false prophet. And we're being introduced to him right here in verse 11, Revelation 13. Now, 
here in Revelation 13, he's not called the false prophet. He's called another beast, basically, or, or, or this beast, the second beast some people call. But in Revelation 16, 13, in Revelation 19, 20, he is called the false prophet. And also in Revelation 20, 10. And I want you to turn there. Turn over to the right few pages to Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And it says here, Revelation 20.10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where, look, the beast, the beast, which is the Antichrist, and, here's his name, the false prophet, were, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Now, this is great. This is their end. They're going to be thrown into that lake of fire. And whoo-hoo, thank you, God, hallelujah, for that. But you see with your very own eyes that this is what he's really called the false prophet. So, back to Revelation 13. This second beast, he's like the Antichrist. He's going to join the Antichrist. And here's the first thing I want you to see. The man called the false prophet will be another evil agent of Satan during the tribulation. Say that again for you guys. The man called the false prophet will be another evil agent of Satan during the tribulation. That's where he's going to come on the scene. During the seven years of tribulation. Now, remember, where we're at in Revelation 13, we're in this pause. You remember that? We're, we're in between the blowing of the seventh trumpet and the pouring out of the, the, the bowls of judgment. We're right in between. They're going to be coming in, start introducing chapter 15, and 16 is where we're see, we'll see all this. But the trumpets had ended. The trumpet was blown back in chapter 11. But in between, we're in this break. And during this break, you remember, God is giving us an, an overview of things. And God is kind of filling in some more information, things that have been happening in the world, uh, along with all the judgments and calamity that's been falling upon the earth through the seals, the trumpets. So we're in this little break, and, and God it gives this overview of the reason that Satan has been battling God and his people. And that's what we saw in Revelation 12, right? We call that first part the long war of Satan. And then we saw the devil's last campaign in chapter 12, where we see what he's going to do in that last half of the tribulation. Then we moved into chapter 13. In chapter 13, God showed us what the Antichrist would be up to in the last half of the tribulation. So we kind of zero in on, on that in chapter 13. And then here now, in verse 11, to the end of this chapter, God goes on to introduce this third player of team evil. Remember the Antichrist is player two, Satan's the first guy. And this team evil, during the tribulation years, this is the third player of team evil, and that's the false prophet. So God is helping us to understand some things that are going on during the tribulation years. And here he introduces the false prophet. All right. Verse 11 goes on and the second half describes him. This is interesting. This beast now, it had two horns like a lamb. Now, that means it had like two bumps on his head like a baby ram. Yeah, when they grow up, their, their horns grow up. Well, remember in the Bible, horns symbolize power and authority. So this beast 
has some authority. This beast has some power. Now think about this. In contrast to the first beast, you remember in uh, verse 1, it talked about the Antichrist having ten horns, which spoke about how the Antichrist will be the leader, the ruler of the world, right? He'll be, he'll, be, he'll be that last world leader of all the world. Well, when we come to the false prophet, he only has these bumps because, you know, he's not going to need a lot of power because he's going to be there with the Antichrist. They're going to be partnered together. He's going to be right there. And the Antichrist is the main guy anyway, but he's, he's sort of going to be there with the Antichrist assisting him. Sort of like I was thinking about this, the false prophet will work very closely with the Antichrist, sort of like a, uh, the sidekick of heroes, you know. Uh, he's going to be like the, the Robin to Batman, that kind of thing. So it's not like he needs all these horns, but he's still right there in power. So, this image also of a lamb is interesting. And many commentators pull this out because it seems to speak of how this guy carries himself. He's, uh, he's mild. He's like a lamb. He's, he's gentle. He seems harmless. He kind of carries himself in this harmless way. Well, he's going to be come on the scene and people are in the world. They're going to like him. They're going to receive him. Oh, yeah, he's, 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 he's a great guy there. But... Look at verse 11 again. Though he may look like this baby lamb. Look what it says at the very end of verse 11. And it, the beast, spoke like what? A dragon. A dragon. I like what the, how the NLT translates this. It puts it, he had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Can you imagine? Oh, sweet little lamb. You know, and you think you're coming to the lamb, you think the lamb will go, nah, nah, but it goes, Rah! yeah, that that's that's like the idea here. And who is the dragon? Do you remember? Who is the dragon? Satan, right? We learned that Revelation 12, 9. It was interpreted for us there in Revelation 12, 9. He's otherwise known, verse 9, chapter 12, he's otherwise known as the serpent, right? The devil, the deceiver, the one who deceives the world. Okay, so here's the second thing to understand with this second beast. The false prophet will appear to be gentle, harmless, even likable, but he will be a mouthpiece for Satan. The false prophet, he'll appear to be gentle, harmless, even likable, but he will be a mouthpiece for Satan. You know what? I was reading this and studying this. I was, I was thinking, I was reminded. Do you guys remember Little Red Riding Hood? Remember that, that story? And I, I was thinking about that story, you know, the wolf and Little Red Riding Hood. And the wolf, you know, talked to Little Red Riding Hood. And then he went and ate the grandma and put the grandma's clothes. Remember, you know, that story, Little Red Riding Hood. I was also thinking, is that really appropriate for little children to hear? But anyway, the horror story. Oh, well, remember when Little Red Riding Hood came in and there's the wolf dressed, dressed like, you know, in the grandma's clothes and, and, and Little Red Riding Hood, you know, she's like, oh, what big ears you have. Oh, better to hear you with, right? Oh, what big eyes you have. Oh, better to see you with. And then Little Red Riding Hood says, oh, what big teeth you have. Better to eat you with. And chomps, right? You know what? This is the false prophet. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's him. 
And that's what it's talking about. He's like a lamb, but he really speaks like a dragon. He's going to be a voice for Satan. He's going to come in, and that's why he's the second beast. You know, watch out. Because Satan does his worst damage, not in that frontal attack, yeah? But he does his worst damage in the subtle way. When he comes in, oh, when that thing looks good, or that person is sounding good, when you're, when you're not suspecting anything, when you see that, oh, nice little lamby, nice little lamby, but then the teeth show him, bam, you're eaten alive. That's how he works. And think about this, that's how cults work, right? That's how cults work. Like, uh, I, I remember I was t- uh, someone came to our door, J.W. Wright, and two girls, young girls, and they're like, and, and I hear it today. And, oh, we got a thing in the mail. I don't know if you guys got it. It was, it was a bulk mailer from, from the J.W.'s, and they were saying, oh, wouldn't you love an earth that's nice and restored, you know, like the garden in Eden and, and everything, you know, is back. And, you know, it's like they're appealing to, yeah, you know, man's ruined the earth. Yeah, we, we got it. But it, it sounds all, all nice. And they say, oh, yeah, when Jesus returns, he's going to restore the earth and everything. It sounds all nice. Just come, you know. But you know what? They may speak the same vocabulary, but they use a different dictionary. Right? They don't see Jesus as God. They don't believe in a trinity. They don't believe in hell, even. And so, they use the same vocabulary, but they use a different dictionary. So you have to watch out. That's, that's how Satan works. That's how cults work. That's how Satan pulls you in and pulls you away from Him and the truth of God. So know that just because the wolf looks like a sheep, it doesn't mean the wolf isn't a wolf anymore, right? He's still a wolf. All right, so we're introduced here to the false prophet. Our title, once again, The Evil Ministry of the False Prophet. He comes on the scene, number one, the man, and now number two, the mission. Number two is the mission in our outline. Number two, the mission. Here we're going to look at verse 12. Take a look with me here, Revelation 13, verse 12. It says here, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Now we're going to dive into the mission of this man, the false prophet, this agent of evil. Now it says here in verse 12 that this beast, it exercises all the authority of the first beast, which is the Antichrist. So the false prophet holds the same authority as the Antichrist. In other words, the false prophet is a world leader also. That's what it's talking about. It has that power. It has that authority. Just as the Antichrist, we learn, will be the leader of a one world government. So this false prophet will be a world leader too. And I like how it says here in verse 12, in his presence. It means he serves right there alongside with the Antichrist as I've been mentioning. There, He's there with, uh, in cahoots with the Antichrist. Well, in what way? Well, look at verse 12 once again. God tells us, he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. So God tells us that the false prophet will basically be the agent to bring the earth and its inhabitants. You know what? That's another way of saying the whole world. Everybody 
on this world. Every inhabitant, every uh, person there, he's going to be the agent to bring the whole world to what? To worship that first beast, to worship the Antichrist. So this guy will be the one to lead the world into basically Antichrist worship. He's the guy. He's the one there. So look at what's unfolding here. The false prophet, he's, he's this emissary agent of, of evil. He, and then he's going to bring everyone to the feet of the Antichrist. Now think about what we've been learning, right? The Antichrist, he's, he's gentle, he's mild, he's reputable, he's righteous probably. He's, he's religious because this is a spiritual act he's going to be leading. And then he's going to rise up as a spiritual leader over everyone. He'll be the guru. He'll, he'll be the ultimate guru, guru, the top ayatollah, the high priest. He's going to be the, the, the pope. I'm not saying the pope is. But there's some interesting indication. But I'm not saying that. But he's going to be that head, spiritual leader. That's, that's what it's going to be about. Perhaps they're going to just call him the prophet. He's the prophet. This is the guy. He's the prophet. He'll be the spiritual head. Now think about this. The Antichrist rises up with political power. He's going to be that political leader, the king, the ruler of all the whole world. Well, the false prophet will emerge as a spiritual leader. He'll be that high prophet, really, you know what, of a one world religion. That's what this is talking about. That's where he's going to take the whole world and the, he's going to bring the whole world to worship the Antichrist. I think he's going to show up. This is what I think. He's going to show up alongside the Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation. And he's going to begin to pull the world together spiritually. He's going to pull the religions together. And then it all comes to a peak when the Antichrist stands in that rebuilt temple to be worshipped as God. And we're going to see another incident that will, I think, catapult the Antichrist to that place to become God or God-like in that way. And so it's going to come all to the peak there and the plan of Satan to use this false prophet to bring the world into Antichrist worship will come to pass and uh, this world will truly have a one world religion and that's Antichrist worship. And, and, and even we've seen, right? They will be worshiping Satan. So think about this. No more demons hiding behind different idols like Paul talks about. This is going to be open. Antichrist is going to be the guy. Remember we talked about last few weeks that Satan's going to say, I mean, Antichrist is going to say, hey, it's because of Satan. He's the guy. He's the guy. And then at that point, the whole world will openly, willingly worship the Antichrist and Satan. So, with this authority we're reading about over all the earth, and here's the first thing here, the false prophet will be the leader of a one world religion. So with all this, his authority, the false prophet will be the leader of a one world religion. Now you probably heard about this already about the false prophet. and uh, We study Revelation as a church before. Maybe there's things we hear anyway as Christians and we try and follow up on the end times. And, and the, do you know something? Maybe you already know this. But it's coming. It is coming. Where the world is going to unite. I mean the whole world is going to unite. It is coming. 
The wheels are turning already. Former Prime Minister of Britain, Tony Blair, once said this, I believe that the single most important thing for the 21st century is to get people of different religious faiths to live side by side in peace with each other. He said this, Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of England. And I was thinking, you know, of course people are going to want that. Because, I mean, think about the, the biggest conflict in this world right now is between what? Israel and the Arab nations, right? Islam and Judaism. And so the world, no, let, let's try and bring it all together. How about this? On April 3rd, 2010, during an Easter speech, President Obama said this in the middle of his speech. He said, while we worship in different ways, we also remember the shared spirit of humanity that inhabits us all. Jews and Christians, Muslims and Hindus, believers and non-believers alike. There's rhetoric coming out there. But you know what? I was reading and I researched seeds were actually planted way back in 1893. People were already thinking about this. And, and I believe Satan's been planting seeds throughout all these years and the centuries for this thought to, to, to head us into what we're about to head into soon. Back in 1893, there was the first meeting of what they call the World Parliament they met on Lake Michigan. They had 6,500 attendees from 200 different religions. And they continued to meet throughout the years. But at that meeting, this Hindu Swami, he closed his speech with this blessing. Listen. May he who is the Brahmin of Hindus, the Aura Mazda of Zoroastrians, the Buddha of the Buddhists, the Jehovah of the Jews, the Father in Heaven of the Christians, give you strength to carry out your noble idea. He's just mixing it all together. And then I had to throw this in. Just recently, the on the Vatican News website, this is the Roman Catholic Vatican about the Pope News site, they announced that this property, this place that is being built, it's called the Abra Abrahamic Family House, will open in 2022, next year. It's located in the capital, actually, of the UAE, uh, UAE the United Arab Emirates. And, and on that property, this, this, this is what they're building, it will have a church a mosque, and a synagogue. So they're really pushing for this one world, let's get together kind of uh, a world religion. What seemed like would never happen, you guys, is started already, and it's coming together. This has been, you know, that talk of all roads lead to God. You know, that's been around that thinking for a while, but now with this spreading actually of a global mindset, it's coming together. Just like the Antichrist and the false prophet will come together. It's all coming into this one kind of thinking. And so there's even more of a push for interfaith discussions and getting together. But how can Christians who really hold to the Bible do this? How can? I mean... 
Can Jesus, you know that term, right? Coexist, or maybe you've seen that those bumper stickers with the symbols of these different religions, right? Coexist. We gotta coexist. No, how can Jesus coexist with other religions? We know, right? Because Jesus said in John fourteen six, what? I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Amen. Amen. No other way. He says, I'm the way. It's not, no, there's many ways to God. No. He says, I am the truth. There's only one absolute truth, and that's the truth of God. He is the life. The only way that we can have life in God and eternal life and life in heaven is through Jesus. No one can come to the Heavenly Father, God the Father. No one can come to Him except, what does it say? Through who? Jesus. He said, through me. Well, no, you can, the Hindus can't get there too. And the Buddhists, no, they can get there too. You know, oh, the, the Islam, yeah, through Muhammad, you can get there too. We were, you know, all the same as the Heavenly Father. No. It's not. Listen, as we come into this, heading into this age and this time, you and I, we, we got to hold a high view of the Word of God. This has to be the truth. This has to be the, the Word, the truth of God, where we say this is absolute truth. There is an absolute truth because there's a thinking in the world today is that if enough people think that something is true, then it's true. No, that's the deception of Satan. So we got to hold this in high regard and keep holding on because the world is moving far away from what this meant years ago. All right, so we see now that the false prophet will be the leader of a one world religion. But look at something here where it says at the end of verse 12, whose mortal wound was healed. Now, I believe God put a note there. I believe God had his focus in on that and pointed to how the Antichrist, his mortal wound was healed. Remember, we talked about that uh, in, our, in the last section earlier in uh, chapter 13, how the Antichrist seems like it, maybe someone will try and assassinate him. And it it looks like he has a mortal wound that he either dies or is going to die. But then he fakes his resurrection. So I think it's a fake death, the faith resurrection that's going on. So why is this being pointed out at this point when we're learning that this guy, the false prophet, has authority to be the leader of a one world religion that's he's going to bring people to antichrist worship? Why is it pointed out? Because it's important. You know why? Because this is how the false prophet will lift up the Antichrist so that the world will give the Antichrist honor and glory. This event of this Antichrist, like maybe rising from the dead, perhaps, remember, mimicking Jesus in that way, we talked about that, that perhaps that will catapult the Antichrist into this God-like, powerful status. And it will be what will help the world and cause them to bow down and worship Him as God. 
The Antichrist, I mean, that false prophet will use this to cause the world to give praise to the power of the Antichrist. Can you imagine that? The, we give praise to the power of the Antichrist, right? I mean, that's just mimicking what we do. Yeah, We say there is power in the name of Jesus. And now that's going to be later on. There's power in the name of the Antichrist, right? Think about the, how that's going to turn and, and flip around. So the false prophet will use that to promote and lift up the Antichrist. So that the Antichrist is idolized. So the, so the false prophet can point to the Antichrist and say, See, he's the guy. See, through the power of Satan, he's been lifted up. He's alive again. And so worship him. We've been seeing, though, how Satan's been mimicking, copying God in, in evil ways, right? Like, hey, raising from the dead like Jesus did. Oh, yeah, so Satan's going to do the same thing with the Antichrist. We see, right, as I mentioned before, the unholy trinity. Remember the, the trinity, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Well, this is the third person of the unholy trinity, right? We have Satan, the Antichrist, and then the false Prophet. Well, well, think about this as we, we understand what the Holy Spirit, right? The third person, the third Godhead yeah, of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. What, what's his role? He, has, he does a lot of things, but what, what's one of his main role? Jesus told us, right, in John 15, 26, that he will testify of me. He'll be a witness of, of me. The Holy Spirit's job is to point to Jesus, right? To point to Jesus. It's not about Him. The Holy Spirit, He, he convicts us to bring us to Jesus in the cross, right? He, 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 he comes in and helps us to uh, become new creations so we can live for not the Holy Spirit, for Jesus, right? And in everything, He moves so that we would glorify and honor Jesus. Well, think about this copycat here. This is the false prophet. He's to point to the Antichrist so all the world would worship Him. So, here God tells us this, and this is the second thing. The mission of the false prophet is to bring the whole world into Antichrist worship. That's it. He becomes the leader of a one world religion. And why? Because his mission, the mission is to bring the whole world into Antichrist worship. There will be a person, a man, the prophet who will lead the world. This is going to happen, you guys, for real. Let me read to you um, what one, this is a Roman Catholic writer, commentator, author too. His name's Lee Penn, but he wrote these interesting words and in commenting on something. But he said this, In short, global governance and interfaith are now normal and accepted ideas for secular and religious leaders worldwide. The new world order is not science fiction. It is being built now. Then he said this. The question is not whether there will be a new world order. It is who will control it and for what ends. I know what ends right here. Right? It's for anti-Christ worship in the worship of Satan. 
Now, so how will, though, I was thinking about this this week. Now, how will this economical movement get to this place, right, from where we are today, to get to this place where the whole world is worshiping the Antichrist, willingly, openly, and as we saw earlier in, in verse 4, that they worship the dragon, where they're actually worshiping Satan. How, how do we get from where we are today to over there? And I'll tell you how. Step by step. That's how. Step by step. You see, the first step is where we're at today. The first step is to come together with a common goal. Is to un- have a united focus on something. Because if we just focus on doctrine and theology of our, our, our faith, right, in the different groups, well, that, that'll divide us, right? Like I said, John 14, 6, there's no way as Christians, right? But Satan is sneaky, right? And he's, he, he's like, well, well let, let, let's put that aside. But you know what we can all line up under? There's something everyone can line up under. Listen, this is, this is a creed of a group called the United Religious Initiative. And, and the crazy thing, I, I did a search about like um, ecumenical one world religion. And there's so many groups out there that have formed like these nonprofit groups. And some have uh, gotten donations and money to keep going, have meetings and kind of generate this thought. But this group, the URI, the United Religious Initiative, their their mantra, their their model, their their mission is this: we unite to bridge differences between people of all beliefs to create community and listen and to solve local and global challenges. That's it. That's the step. That's the step the world is coming together with. It's the social and global concern. So no matter what what faith you are, no matter what religion you may follow, or, you, you know what? We can all line up to try and tackle the social problems, the global concerns. I don't know if you remember back in 2019, Pope Francis, right? The Roman Catholic Church. He had this historic meeting with the Islamic Grand Imam, the head guy here, the head priest of, of, of Islam there, uh, uh, I can't say his name, Ahmed El Tayeb. And they got together and they both signed this document and it's called Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. Isn't that crazy? The Pope now. And this is Islamic head guy. Maybe the Pope for their for Islam, right? Now in these documents, I copied and pasted this, there's words like this. This transcendental value served as a starting point for several meetings characterized by a friendly and fraternal atmosphere where we shared the joys, sorrows, and problems of our contemporary world. Another place in the document said, We reflected also on the level of poverty, conflict and suffering of so many brothers and sisters in different parts of the world as consequences of the arms race. Social injustice, that's a term, right? Corruption, that's another term that's coming up in our own country and society. Inequality, how about that, right? Moral decline, 
terrorism, discrimination, extremism, and many other causes. Do you see what they're lining up under? It's not, what do you believe about God? You know, or who Jesus is? Or the Spirit, or how to get to heaven? It's about these social issues and global problems. Right before signing this um, document, the Pope had a, did a speech um, in front of 700 representatives of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Judaism, and a whole bunch of other religions. And in, in his speech, the Pope actually said this, Pope Francis, There is no alternative. We either build the future together or there will, be, uh, there will not be a future. So this is the, the step, you guys. This is the, the first step to get all religions together is by focusing on these social issues, the global problems. Trying to solve a get-together. Come on, let's, let's as a globe, as a world, you know, come together and put, put our differences aside because we need to tackle this. And then guess what? Once everyone's holding their hands with the Antichrist on the scene, The next step is to combine, to combine the religions, philosophies, the evolutionary theory. And, and I believe, and, and I mentioned this uh, uh, last week or the week before, but I believe that there's, Satan's going to deceive the world into focusing on man's self-worth, right? And he's going to play upon man's pride, you know? And how, how great humanity is. And he's going to be packaging that with a demonic influence. And everyone will begin to embrace that. Yeah. We're to get, yeah, see, we can help. We can solve problems. Yeah. Humanity. It's humanity. It's the Tower of Babel, really, being built again. And then the final step will be anti-Christ worship. Remember how... Uh, I talked about that. How the Antichrist will become the man, right? He, he's, he's evolved. To the, he's ascended to the highest level of what we can become. A man with powers. Right? Just like some of the movies today. Of what we can begin. Of, of what aliens are. They're far advanced in their evolutionary stage, right? And that's why they have so much... Uh, 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 technology and knowledge and power and man still evolving to you know that's that's the general thought in a lot of these movies right it's all deceptive so we're going to step into this and then here comes the antichrist who's the symbol who's the 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 the, the guy who reached that yeah nirvana that that place that level that's what I think and they're going to embrace all that. And they're going to reject God and listen to Satan's lies. Remember how even knowing that we, we saw in some of these seals and trumpets that the world, they knew it's God bringing judgment. That is God. But they, they still, it says they still did not repent. And later we're going to see, as I mentioned in chapter 16, that they're cursing God. They're holding their fists up at God and all mad at Him. And they're siding with who? Satan. Satan. This is what's going on. And you guys, we're in this first step. We're in this first step. Listen, there's a recent study that 
43% of millennials. That's almost half now. Uh, th- that's uh, people born between 1984 and 2002, and, 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 uh, and they're opening in Gen, Gen Z, I think, is the next generation. But they say 43% of ma- millennials, and I quote, this was, this was the headline, these millennials don't believe, don't care, and don't believe God exists. And so millennials moving away from God. Add to that, in another study, it showed that millennials and Gen Z, the next generation, are mostly concerned, and this was a world survey, they're mostly concerned about global issues like world health because of the pandemic, and climate change, and you know what, inequality in the world. So do you, do you see there's a shift going on? Do you see what's going on? The world is moving farther away from God and, and moving to unify, and moving to, to have this global uh, outlook on things. And that's going to include spiritual, spirituality. Now, it's not that those things aren't important, you know, our health and our society, inequality, um, you know, those things. It's not that it's not important, but it's being put above God and His truth. That's the scary thing. But guess what? This is all a preparation, a setup to what's coming, Right? We're reading it. We're understanding that this is what the world is heading to, toward. So, why? This is how. This is how the steps are going. But here's the thing, you guys. Don't be caught up in that. Don't get caught up in 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 putting the Bible down, or putting Jesus aside, and getting caught up in these things, and and fall into the deception of the devil. Don't be deceived today by tomorrow's end time deception. That's the thing we've got to be careful of today as Christians because we know there's a prophecy that there will be a falling away and the love of many will grow cold towards God. So be careful. All right, well, we've seen this evil ministry of the false prophet now unfolding now. We've seen the man... And we've seen the mission. And number three today, our last heading here is the miracles. The miracles. And here we're going to cover verse 13 and through 14, just the first part, 14a. But first of all, verse 13. Verse 13. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Stop there. All right, so to fully convince the world, it, the beast, the false prophet, will perform great signs. It's going to work these miracles to validate what he's promoting, what he's pushing. That, no, this is real. This is, this is, this is really the truth. I mean, think about in the book of Acts, right? The early church and apostles. Yeah, God... Through the Holy Spirit, they did plenty healings, right? Uh, raising from the dead, and, and they spoke the word of God. And, and the, 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 the miracles and the power of God, that was to help validate what they were saying, that it is from God. Because the church just started. It was, it, was, it was a new thing there, and so everyone believed. And 
Oh, they are. Jesus is real. They, these guys are speaking for God. Well, look at this. This guy does that too. To validate his message about the Antichrist and Satan. And there's an example given here in verse 13. It does miracles like fire coming down from heaven. Well, that reminds me of Elijah, right? Yeah, so he mimics that too. Perhaps maybe uh, fresh on the mind in the world is the two witnesses back in chapter 11, right? Where fire came from their mouth. So he could be copycatting this. So these powerful soul-looking miracles is what will really cause the world to finally embrace everything that they're saying. We know Satan is capable of fooling people with miracles, right? I mean, think about back in Exodus chapter 7 when Moses threw down his staff, right? And it turned into a snake. And what happened with Pharaoh's magicians? Musicians, I almost said magicians. (laughs) And, you know, his sorcerers, they threw down their staffs and it became snakes too. Remember? So Satan can mimic things like that. I think the great thing about the greatest thing about that story is Moses' snake eat up all the other snakes. So know that, right? God is much more powerful. And then look at verse 14. And by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth. So this is the last part we're going to see here today. But we see with these signs and wonders, these great miracles, uh, uh, it, he, he's allowed to work then. God in his sovereignty, allowing to work in a presence next to the beast with the beast there, right? This is how he deceives those who dwell on the earth. And it's all for that mission so the world would get into anti-Christ worship. So the world will see the Antichrist has, he's powerful. He has that God-like powers there. These miracles, with these miracles, the false prophet really seals the deal with the world, captures their heart. And notice in verse 14, it deceives. This is the end time deception. Remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. I think the old King James, I still have all that in my head. It's lying wonders, they say. Then the next verse in 2 Thessalonians 2 says, And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. So, our last point here this morning is this. With the working of the miracles, or false miracles, the false prophet deceives the world into giving honor to Satan and Antichrist. He really seals the deal there. You know... As we come to a close, I was thinking about what C.S. Lewis once wrote. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. The utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, and drunkenness are mere flea-biters in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God statement of mind. And so, I just want to put that out. Satan will use the pride of humanity to deceive the world into worshiping him. 
the pride of becoming this person that the Antichrist is presented as. The ultimate human with God-like powers. But watch out. Satan uses pride in your life to deceive you, to get you, to follow him, to chase after things that will lead you astray. And sometimes it's these signs and wonders. We're like, whoa, wow, does that work? Oh, yeah. I'll do that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This thing. Wow. You know, oh, I heard about this. Take this. Drink this. Do this. Remember when the Pharisees asked for a sign from Jesus? Right? Just give us a sign. We'll believe you. They were so blind to what he was already doing right in front of them. But why did they ask? Because they wanted to see what they wanted to see. And because they wanted to see what they wanted to say, they missed what was right there, the miracle of God coming to the earth as a, in the flesh, as a human, that the Messiah was right there. So don't be a sign chaser. For you know what? You'll be easy prey for the devil. But I'll tell you what. Open your eyes to the wonder of what God is doing right now. What He has done and what He says He will do. And you'll see a miracle every day. Actually, those of you in Jesus, you are a walking miracle. I'll close with this. This um, alcoholic became a believer and he was once asked how he could possibly believe all the nonsense in the Bible about miracles. Well, this guy says, you don't... Um, or, or the, the guy complaining said, you don't believe that Jesus changed the water into wine, do you? The, the believer said, I sure do. Because in our house, Jesus changed the whiskey into furniture. <laughs> God is the true healer. God is the true power behind a changed life. And the miracle is you. The enemy wants you to follow his evil ways to destroy you with his manipulations. So watch out. Just stick to Jesus. Don't fall prey to the direction that the world is going. And you know what? We, You and I, we will be spared from what's coming. And that's the evil ministry of the false prophet. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. And just insight into what's happening, Lord. Even uh, explaining to us what's going on. And making sense of what's going on in the world, Lord. But we thank you that in the future we won't be here. But we understand, God, that uh, you are working in our lives today. That though Satan will deceive the world with his false miracles, God, you are the true one who does true miracles in our life. And as I mentioned, Lord, one of the greatest things, Lord, if not thee, is that you saved us. That you came to this earth miraculously, born, lived as a man, and died on the cross as a human being. To take upon, Lord, your body. To give yourself as a sacrifice for our sins that we may be forgiven, that we may be cleansed, that you rose again from the dead, that you could conquer sin and death, that we may have eternal life. And that we may have life today in you. And that we can have a relationship with you. So Lord, as we close today, we see that miracle and focus in on that. And as we move into a time of communion, 
God, we just want to be reminded, no matter what we're going through, that you already done a miracle. You made us into a miracle as followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.